0: Phil had said uh, at the beginning of our day to get together today, he mentioned that this keeping yourself in the love of God is really the imperative. It's the command. And then on either side of this command are how we keep ourselves in the love of God, building ourselves up in our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, and looking for the mercy of our lord jesus christ unto eternal life on this idea of keeping ourselves in the love of god there are many ways that we can look at this keeping ourselves in the love of god this imperative this instruction this command one of them i'm reminded of a dog i had its name was Ironside. And Ironside was an interesting dog. It, only, it ended up only having three legs. And, uh, but as I one day was watching out on the porch, I watched the sun shining down. And Ironside was out there bathing himself in the sunshine. And then noticing later on in the afternoon, the sun moved. and. Ironside got up and hobbled over and sat back down right in the sun again, and it reminded me. And every time I read this verse, I'm reminded of the instructions that you and I to keep ourselves. And if I could just, I don't want to add to the Word of God, but if I could apply, keep ourselves in the sunshine of His love. And this is a this is a wonderful thing for us but it is an instruction that takes obedience and submission. And really, obedience and submission to the Word of God, to what we've already had before us today, is the key. And just to connect this, uh, the Lord Jesus in John 15. I wonder if we could just look at a couple of verses just to get us started here. In John chapter 15. Looking at verse 9, where we read, and keeping in mind the context of John 15, abide in me, and this idea of bearing fruit, bearing more fruit, bearing much fruit, and then later on, bearing fruit that remains. Keeping this in mind. And keeping in mind verse 5, that unless you abide in me, you can do nothing. This idea of abiding in him, which we've already had before us, keeping ourselves in the love of God. Here in verse 9, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandment and abide in his love. And so the Lord Jesus, as in everything, the Lord Jesus is that perfect example of what it is to abide, he always did the will of the Father. He came to do the will of the Father, he did do the will of the Father, and the Father was satisfied with what he did. And so when we consider this manner of abiding, we need to consider the thought that it has to do in connection with this manner of obedience, abiding in his word. We could spend the time looking at some of those other verses there in John 15 in relationship to this. But in 1 John chapter 2, I was reminded of this verse. He says in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 5, I believe it is, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 5, he says, But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected or matured in him. By this we know that we are in him. So this is evidence that we have been, when there's obedience in our lives to the word of God, as we've already had before us, it's, it's evidence that we're keeping ourselves in the love of God. So maybe this is a, a good place for us to start, this connection to submission to the Word of God, and then out of that submission, a life of obedience.
1: You know, there is a sphere where divine persons uh, has brought us into. There was a love relationship that never had a beginning and will never have an end. Always exist, But it was the heart of divine persons to bring us in to that circle to enjoy what they are enjoying so there's a circle of love in which we have been brought into and um, we have been brought into it in time what it always was and having this always having this desire this desire of divine persons to be to have Others share in this love. This is where we have been brought. This is the circle into which we are presently. But the danger is the enjoyment of it. Um. It's it's just like a parent, um, and I believe this is the foundation. Not I believe scripture, the will of God. For a couple. They love each other. They get married. But what, what it is. Is to bring others into that relationship. And we have children. To enjoy what we are enjoying. So the point is. The father. The son. The Holy Spirit have done the same. And to be kept there. In that circle of, of love. The prodigal son left. And he went out. Says uh, this straight jacket living. I I cannot take it. You know these rules and regulations. And he went out into a far country. Getting away from home. I'll enjoy myself well. Get away from God. You see what happens. The divine nature in us. Craves for this. I want to be where divine persons are. And he Came to himself. He says, So much my father, I have so much bread enough to spare, and I perish in here with hunger. I'll arise, I'll go home. And what happened? The father said to him, You wicked boy, you went out there and you wasted. No, the father fell on his neck, covered him with kisses. The father reassured him, My love for you was still the same. And he brought him in and sat him. He says, Put on the best robe, put a ring on his finger, shoes on his feet. Bring forth the fatted calf. Let's rejoice and be merry. How do you think he felt? He was brought in again to realize this circle that he has been brought into. His elder brother was in it but never had appreciation for it. So the the challenge for us is this appreciation. Three times in the scriptures we, we read about the love of Christ. In the book of Ephesians. That we may know the love of Christ. That passeth all understanding. That in the book of. 2nd Corinthians chapter. 5 and verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us. Because we thus judge. That if Christ died for all. Then we are all dead. And we who live should not live unto ourselves. But unto him who died. And rose again. And then in the book of Romans. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall distress, persecution, nakedness, peril, or sword? No, brethren. He says, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, is able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Live in that sphere. There we have been brought. Let us enjoy. Let us ask, not enjoy, let us. Um, Let us appreciate this place of blessing. A lot of Christians don't like the idea of being brought up in a Christian home. One guy said to me, I'm up to here with this Christian living. He never appreciated the privilege of being kept from the pits of sin. You see, kept from the pits of sin and all the heartache that the unbelievers go through. He brought in a Christian home and they're in that circle of love and they're concerned about you. And they says, yeah, but I don't go this place. And they're keeping you from something. And that is what love is all about. The atmosphere where the Father, the Son dwells, we have been brought into.
2: And that passage in Romans 8, um, I, I think especially the last two verses, really brings out Paul's enjoyment. Because he doesn't bring it out as a a matter of fact. He also does that. But he says, I am persuaded. Paul had looked at the matter. He had calculated the cost and said, no, it's not going to happen. He said, I am persuaded and he lists ten things, everything in creation. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. He doesn't say nothing can separate us from God. That's also true, of course, but it's easy to say that. But what Paul is dealing with in, in that part of Romans chapter 8 is the, is the challenges that come to us. And he said, whatever, whatever happens, whatever might face us, I am persuaded. In, earlier in the, verse, uh, in the chapter he says, I reckon Paul had made up the balance. And I think there is, there is no one who suffered more for the Lord Jesus than Paul. He said, I am persuaded persuaded nothing nothing will separate but then he doesn't say me he says us so that does not just apply to some elevated Christian But Paul had the personal conviction nothing can separate us from the love of God not just from God but that in Paul what Paul says here implies that what happens to us all these 10 things he lists there If God allows them, he does it out of his love. Earlier in the chapter, he points out that all things work together for those who love God. They work together for good, for those who love God. That's what Paul brings out. I am persuaded. The challenge that comes to me, that comes to you is, do we have that same persuasion?
3: The word keeping, preserved, is mentioned, and its derivatives is mentioned in this epistle six times. Three of them are in the negative, and three of them are in the positive. No one wants to speak about the negatives, but this is life. I have said before you, life and death. The positive and the negative. Choose life that you may live. Therefore we have three negative things that apply to the word keeping. One of them is in verse 6. Did not keep their proper domain. And there are negative consequences for them. The second One, in verse 13, reserved for them the blackness, or kept for them the blackness of darkness forever. And uh, the third one, the third one, I cannot see it here. Yeah, in uh, at the end of verse six, has reserved everlasting chain under darkness. These are the negative three keeping. We we'll get to the positive, our beautiful thing. Verse one, we are kept. We are preserved in Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? That we who know the Lord Jesus, we are kept, kept for him. The second one is admonition in verse 24. Keep yourselves in the love of God. In 24. And the last one, this is the most beautiful thing. Who can keep us? Now to him who is able to preserve us, or keep us. How wonderful to know that we are kept in Jesus Christ, who are kept by Jesus Christ, and kept for a wonderful, for wonderful future for every one of us.
0: We see there's two sides to this keeping. The first side is God's side. He keeps us. And this is in verse 1 and verse 24. And then there's the side and responsibility of us who are in this privilege of being kept. That we're to keep ourselves in the awareness and in the enjoyment of this love. And this is what I had to leave for a moment. Uh, But this is what Brother Brian, even though I didn't catch it all, I caught enough. This is, this is what he was bringing out in, in chapter 8 of Romans. The beautiful side to that Paul was persuaded that he was going to be kept. And he could say in another place, I've, I know that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him until that day. And so he, he kept himself in the love of God. I was thinking of... Uh, um, don't, we don't like to dwell on the negative, but just an example of someone who at one point enjoyed the love of God, and then in another point, for some reason, uh, forsook Paul, and that is Demas. I the this present, evil, uh, uh, this present world. He forsook Paul. And, and this is what we were talking about earlier, about forsaking Paul's teaching. And we don't want to forsake Paul's teaching. We don't want to leave out Paul's teaching because it would remind us afresh of the love of God and of keeping in the love of God, keeping ourselves in the love of God. And maybe we could just use Demas as an example of one that didn't keep himself in the love of God.
4: What are things that you keep? I, I don't mean like, you know, you never throw away. But, but if, if, if I say, I want you to keep this for me, what am I going to entrust to you? Something that is precious. There's a thought of preciousness connected with this thought of keeping and keeping ourselves. We're precious to God, aren't we? And he's keeping us. But is it precious to us to be in the love of God? If it's not precious to us from our side, we won't see the need to keep it, to keep ourselves in the love of God. In a natural sense, the more precious something is, the more we secure its keptness. I <laughs> don't know if that's a word. We'll put it in a safe. We'll, we'll lock it up. We'll, we'll do whatever we need to preserve it because it's so precious. And, and I think if we see that as well, it's, we, we ask ourselves, we're, we're to, it's, a, it's an active thing, right? It's not once and done. All of these are active, ongoing um, exercises. And do we find the love of God so precious that if the sunshine moves, we go in that circle of that sunshine because that's what's precious to us as it's precious to God.
1: I may add that um A person who knows they are loved. You could talk till the cows come home. They know who they love. Okay? Some of us in this room, there's a lot of sisters around. But we love one. And some people may ask, well, what did you see in her? that Or him? You know, and and you're puzzled. Love is something that transcends, supersedes human thinking. The apostle Paul captures it well. The son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Why God loved me? You know, this blasphemer, injurious man, eh, persecuted the church. but He picked me up. Put me in the ministry and says, No, you go and preach the faith you try to destroy. And the apostle Paul, in this love, you couldn't beat him out of it. He was whipped, he was stoned, he was shipwrecked, false brethren. He says, You think you could beat this love out of me? No, you cannot. And this is the love into which we have been brought. If we really have this love that has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, if this grips us, believe me, the little obstacles we go through and all they throw to us, we are going to say, ah, <laughs> I know I'm loved. It's, it's very therapeutic, brethren. You know, people go to a psychiatric bench to, for them to tell them you're valuable. Don't study about these things. You know, think about Listen. You are loved. And you know what Jesus said. In his high priestly prayer. That we may know. That we are loved. By the father. Just as the father loved him. So why should I. Have a guilt trip. That nobody loved me. They could think what they want. I know I'm loved. And this is the attitude we need to have. I am loved. So. If people feel, let them feel what they want to feel. But the apostle Paul says this. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. I have stayed in that atmosphere of love. When I was young, you know, I, I, I wasn't brought up in a Christian home. And one time I tell my brothers, I'm going to run away. I'm going to run away. I don't like this house. So my big brothers said to me where are you going i said i'm going by i'll find some place to go you know what they did they brought a suitcase and they said to me pack but time i start packing is like it brought some reality where are you going i just unpacked i just unpacked but what i'm seeing application brethren we everyone who knows Christ as Lord and personal Savior have been brought into a circle of love let that sink in please but do I enjoy this atmosphere am I appreciative of what has been done to bring me in that is what reconciliation is reconciliation is I have been brought into the wealth And favor and all the love of God. He's not sharing anything. Peace, peace. We have been brought into everything that we may enjoy together. And where the expression of that needs to be seen? Amongst ourselves. Yeah, amongst ourselves. This love. Look at the Egyptians here. Kevin, what you are? Uh, he's, He's American. We have Canadians. We have... Michigans and <laughs> <laughs> all of us is like a soup. But what binds us together is the love of God. It's the love. And this is an expression that's why the Lord Jesus said when he was here, He says that the world may know that I love the Father, hearing that my Father loved me because I laid on my life. That I may take it back up again. It's a wonderful circle into which we have been brought. And it is for the delight of divine persons first. Then for us. So we, I wouldn't himself say it's fringe benefits. It is exactly what divine persons want for us to enjoy. Forget about yourself and think about what God thoughts about you. And this is what we need. It's that, and he says, keep yourself there. Keep yourself. So the world could say what they want about us. You could tell them, I'm loved, though. I'm loved. And the Apostle Paul carried with him, this spirit, John, Peter, they carried with them this atmosphere and this conviction in their souls.
3: It is so wonderful, brethren. I'd like to... Repeat again the first verse of the last song that we sang. O Lamb of God, still keep us close to thy pierced side. Tis only there in safety and peace we can abide. With foes and snares around us. And lusts and fears within the grace that sought and found us alone can keep us clean. It was a beautiful song to sing. And here it is. We read in the time of David, King Saul would go and kill 85 priests of the Most High God. And only one, Abiathar, would escape and goes to David. And when he got to David, David was so sad, and he said, I caused the death of all those priests. But he told him something that really encourages us, and that's in 1 Samuel chapter 22, the last verse. First, this is the same thing that we are talking about here. It says that Samuel, uh, not, not not Samuel, sorry. David. David is talking to Abiathar. What is he telling him? Stay with me. Abide with me. Abide with me. Do not be, do not fear. For he who seeks my life seeks your life. But with me you shall be Safe, you shall be, and another translation: you shall be in safe keeping. Safe keeping. The Lord is wonderful. When He found us, they say, He put us on His shoulder, rejoicing, and as He says, "I will never let you go." The wolf come to try to snatch the sheep. Where is the sheep? on the shoulder of the shepherd. And like someone said, he can never get to us, cannot slaughter us, cannot, cannot kill us until he kills the shepherd himself. Cannot reach us because we are on his shoulder. How wonderful it is. May we continue to abide with him and his promises.
5: I was uh, thinking, as you mentioned, Second Samuel of Mephibosheth and how he ate at the king's table continually. And uh, to tie together with what was mentioned earlier uh, about the enjoyment of God's love. Uh, every meal that Mephibosheth ate at the king's table, he was reminded of the love of David And the grace in David's heart that uh, was poured out to him. And so this keeping ourselves in the love of God. The Apostle John mentioned in his last statement in 1 John, the last verse. Brethren, keep yourselves from idols. So if we're going to keep our, you know, what is an idol? It's something that you love, something that you're attracted to. And if we're going to keep ourselves in the love of God, we must keep ourselves from anything that competes with that love. And that requires the constant vigilance of every one of us as believers, as the Holy Spirit within us quickens our understanding and our thoughts and our recognition that there's something it's knocking on the door of our hearts to take the place, to take his place. Something that would be attractive to us, just as we mentioned Demas. Something, he had a beginning where he moved out of the love of God. We don't know what it was. Someone here today might be hearing a little knock on the door. A little attraction that comes to call you, come this way to take you out of the love of God, to replace God's love with something of this world, which, of course, this world passeth away, and only he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Uh, we had this verse in Proverbs, where King Solomon, King Solomon says in Proverbs 4, 23, Keep thy heart with all diligence, or more than anything that is guarded, for out of it are the issues of the springs of life. So it's just to reinforce the fact that we, each one of us, has responsibility to keep us in the love of God. Your mother and your father can't do it for you. Brethren, no matter how well-meaning and godly they might be and care for you, they can't do it. It's the responsibility of each one of us to keep ourselves in the love of God. And if we're going to do that, we have to flee from anything that would compete with that love. And so one way of uh, thinking of growing as a Christian is thinking of how my heart becomes more and more sensitive to those things that are attracting me, that are drawing me away. And there's many things they don't have to be sinful that will take us out of the love of God they could be good things but they're not, they're not the best the best is the love of God I enjoy so much you know many times you meet people you have you know just a few seconds to give a testimony of some sort and so I'll just tell them, you know God loves you today He proved it when Jesus Christ died upon the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago. So you're a very important person. God loves you very much. And every time that I tell someone that, I don't tell it in a repetitious way like writ or something. I mean it from my heart, and it refreshes my heart in that moment to remember that he loved me. As we heard, the Son of God that loved me. Because I can guarantee there's no bigger sinner in the room today than myself. I was saved out of terrible, terrible darkness. My heart was looking for love. And how is it even that saved people, Christian young people, can be taken out of the love of God? Because they're not in the enjoyment of God's love. And if you're not in the enjoyment of God's love, the enemy will bring something to attract you when you have the best. You have the best. Uh, uh, you've heard the story many times about the uh, young girl that, that yeah, I don't even know if I should, well, anyway, quickly, I already started. So the, <laughs> about the pearls, she, she saw, uh, she was walking with her mother downtown, and she saw a pearl uh, that she, it was an imitation pearl, but she really wanted this pearl necklace. So she her, went home and her dad said, well, you know, you can do some extra jobs and all around the house and you can earn some money to pay for it. So she did that. She got that pearl necklace. She loved it. She loved it. She wouldn't be any place without it. So her father comes in, and as he did every night, to say goodnight to his daughter and to uh, just to spend a little time with her. And he asked her if he could have that pearl necklace. And she said, no, Daddy. Daddy, no, no, not that my pearl necklace. No. And so the next night he came in and he did the same thing. And she said, Daddy, Daddy, no, not my pearl necklace here. Take my teddy bear or whatever little doll it was. And, and that went on a few nights. And if you've heard the story, I'm sorry. But uh, finally he comes in and she's crying on her bed. And he says, dear, what's wrong? And she reached out with her hand and handed her dad, that pearl necklace, and as she reached out and handed it to him, she said, Dad, I love you so much, and here's my pearl necklace, and at that same moment, he reached out with his hand, his other hand, and he passed to her a real pearl necklace, something he had for her already, and he was just waiting for her to let go of the imitation, so the enemy will always have an imitation. And if we're not satisfied with what God has given us, the true pearls in Christ, we're his pearl of great price, then there'll always be something competing. It never, never goes away. The world doesn't quit. So we must be attentive to keep ourselves in the love of God by keeping ourselves from idols and anything, anything, anything that would... First place in our hearts. Maybe you want to go to college. Why do you want to go to college? You want to get married. Why do you want to get married? You want a better job. Why do you want a better job? I mean, you can ask this about and should ask it about everything that is before us right now. Why? Because only that which is for the glory of God, which is why we're here, really matters. And we don't do it for any other reason. But because we love him who first loved us. And we're all a work in progress, myself, the most. But praise the Lord for the love of God that would save a wretch like me. Praise the Lord.
0: I remembered the word that I wanted to try to remember with Demas. Demas having loved this present, present world. And I think, to Brother, brother Lance's point, the, when our occupation, when we lose sight of everything that we've been brought into, and we lose sight of what awaits us, and we lose it because of the present world that we live in, that's when we're not keeping ourselves in the love of God. And when we think about this, this this, world and all that it offers, we're reminded not to love the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And, and on it goes. And he, he talks about here in 1 John chapter 5, he talks about for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father. And he really desires to bring us, into this, this intimate uh, appreciation of what the Father has for us. And I was thinking of those verses. Uh, we've referred to them a bit, but I want to just read them in the context in Ephesians chapter um, 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Paul says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this prayer is to the Father, and he says, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that, or in order that, he would grant you. So this is what he's praying, that the Father would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, and that's what we just heard illustrated, the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. In order that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. In order that being rooted and grounded in love, keeping yourself in the love of God, may be able to apprehend with all the saints what is the width, think of Calvary, and the Lord Jesus stretched out his arms, the length How long that love is going to last for all eternity. The depth that he stooped down from glory to come. And the height where he's brought us into. Oh beloved, Paul is praying here uh, that we might enter into this. And he says to know the love of God which passes knowledge to keep ourselves in that love, to know it in a more intimate, deeper way. And then he goes on to say, to know the love of God, of the love of Christ, which is past knowledge, in order that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And at this point, Paul just breaks out in a doxology, and, and he can't help himself, and he says, now to him who's able, to him who's able and we're going to have this in, in Jude, the ability of our Lord, but just to put it in the context here. To him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory. He is able, beloved. He's able to bring us into a deep appreciation of his love for us and the extent of that love for us. And what that love has brought us into, he's able, and all we have to do is be willing recipients to enjoy that and keep ourselves in that love.
3: When it comes to keeping, we cannot ignore the importance of the word of God. If we go to the book of Proverbs in chapter two, my son, if you receive my words. In chapter 6 and chapter 7, my son keep my words. What it does to keep you, to deliver you from the immoral woman in chapter 2 and in chapter 7.
6: We have heard from different examples from the Old and the New Testament, like Paul, who has exposed himself to the love of God. And I think one other example is also for sure the disciple John. If you would have asked him, John, tell me about you. I think he would have not said, I'm an ex-fisherman. I'm coming from that city. No, he would have said, I am the one whom Jesus loves. Amen. And maybe we can look in one other uh, to one other example, and this is from a woman. We can maybe say also a sister in the Song of Solomon. There we see a wonderful example, I think, for us in the Song of Solomon, chapter two. We see (coughs) this Shulamit, this this woman who was um, the interest of Solomon. And here, in chapter two, verse sixteen, she is saying, "My beloved is mine, and I am his. He grazes among the lilies." She was aware that Solomon had filled her heart, and. She said, really, he is mine, that is a person I care about. If we look then to the next chapters, we see in chapter 5 that this woman has fallen asleep. This bride had fallen asleep. In f- chapter 5, we see she's saying, I slept, but my heart was awake. A sound, my beloved is knocking. Open to me. But she says, I had put off my garment. How could I put it on? It was not really worth all the effort for her to get dressed again to open the door. But then finally she opens the door and what is happening there? In verse 5 we read, I arose to open to my beloved. And my hands dripped with myrrh. Myrrh, this picture of the suffering. And maybe we have also in our lives fallen asleep to a certain degree. Maybe our first laugh is gone. The best laugh we had for him is not there anymore. It is nice to see on one side, to see here Solomon and the which is a picture of the Lord, is reaching out, I want to have fellowship with you. And she experienced it, but she gets connected and reminded back to the thing which mattered for Solomon, and it was the myrrh, the suffering on the cross. But this experience led her, I think, to come to a higher understanding, and this is in chapter 6, verse 3. I am my Beloved's, and my Beloved is mine." She has been thinking about the suffering, I apply it now to us and the Lord. She had been thinking about the sacrifice, and how the Lord even kept her on the way, and how he tried to restore her soul. And she comes to the point where she says, He is not just mine interest, but I cannot understand it anymore. I am a point of interest to him. I am my beloveds. And then this love story continues in verse 6, verse 5, where the bridegroom says, Turn away your eyes from me, for they overwhelm me. Verse 8, There are 60 queens and 80 concubines and virgins without number. My dove, my perfect one, is the only one. She understands more from the love the Lord had for her and it concludes then in this, I think, greatest understanding in her love in chapter 7, verse 10. I am my beloved's and his desire is for me I think that woman didn't need to be reminded to keep herself in the love of God she has really experienced this she has been focused away from her love to the Lord but had been more thinking about the love towards her and I think that's also important for us today it is good that we focus on our love to the Lord but it's much higher, much better, if we are focused really on the love the Lord has for us and how precious we were for him that he would go to the cross for you and me.
1: Amen. I think the Spirit of God has brought us to a point where recognize, I have to say, uh, Benjamin, my, the scriptures I had was those scriptures you brought. But there's a wonderful outline that on the Song of Solomon's given by uh, Hamilton Smith. You have in that book the awaking of love. Then you have the assurance of love. You have The restoration of love. You have the weakness of love. And you have the triumph of love. Of all the books and the love songs that people have sung, there's none like this. Okay? Uh, Some of the young people and some of those who have, you know, don't know much about the world. There was a lady who sang Diana Ross. Stop. Stop in the name of love she came to Central Park to sing and it started to thunder and rain and she got up there looking at the rain and the thunder and singing stop in the name of love more rain came they had to stop they tell her listen before you get electrocuted come off this but there is a love there is a love that nothing cannot stop. The floods cannot drown it. And that's the triumph of love. No, if I ask. I am not. As Benjamin said. I am not feeling this love. Then after you do what. Chapter 5 says. Get back to Calvary. Dwell on the sufferings of Christ. Because myrrh. Was gotten by a. You lacerate this tree, and this sap ooze out of it. And uh, as he put his his hand on the uh, on the handle of the lock, and she smelled it, she knew what that meant—the suffering love of Christ. That's why the Apostle Paul said, "The Son of God who loved me, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but the." Uh, but Christ lived in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Dwell on Calvary. It will rekindle again that love that I don't appreciate. Look and see what he has done. And after that, she smelled this, this, this aroma. She got up and started looking for him. And what she said? They said what is your beloved more than another beloved that you are so charging us and she says listen if you find him tell him I love him I love him I love him I'm sick of love and she start describing her bridegroom and you know what the daughters of Jerusalem said listen we will look for him with you but when you come to chapter 8 I was hoping Benjamin got there but the spirit of God probably left this for me to say In chapter 8 and verse 6. Set me as a seal upon thine heart. As a seal upon thine arm. For love is as strong as death. Jealousy is as cruel as the grave. The coals thereof are coals of fire. Which have a most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench love. Neither can the floods drown it. If a man will give all the substance of his house for love. He would be utterly rejected. This love. Into which we have been brought. Is all on God's side. On our side. Is just the enjoyment of it. And God has done. Such a wonderful job. He has given us the spirit. What is the fruit of the spirit? love so I don't have to ask God for love I have it but what I have to ask God for is how to manifest it don't love in word and in tongue but in deed and in truth God manifested his love towards us in that he sent his son into this world to give his life to be the propitiation for our sins it's love in action don't tell me you love something and there is no response never give your wife a kiss and she says i love you no something wrong something is wrong and i have learned you know i travel a lot and my wife would say don't bring her nothing for me don't listen to it fellas <laughs> don't listen it's not true anytime you go away make sure you bring back home something because Oh, he was thinking about me. Eh? But they often say, don't bring, no study about me. Oh, yes. I am telling you, love never fails. Everything else will fail. Love never fails. That's the circle into which you have been brought. I'm not dwelling on the negative side of leaving and all this stuff. I don't want to know what it is to be backsliding. I don't want to know what it is to walk away from. I don't want that experience. And God knows I don't want that. What I want is to enjoy the love into which I've been brought. And a verse in Second Corinthians chapter 11. This was the desire of the apostle Paul. 2nd Corinthians chapter 11. And he says. I am jealous over you. With godly jealousy. For I have exposed you. To one husband. That I may present you. A chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear less. By any means. As the serpent beguiled Eve. Through subtlety. So your minds should be corrupt from the simplicity that is in Christ. This is the desire of the Apostle Paul. Stay faithful to Christ. Stay faithful to that relationship.